0: American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20.
1: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
0: Hey, this is Linda Cohn from ESPN, and you're listening to
1: the ML Sports Platter. <laughs> ML Sports Platter back with you, brought to you by Burton Ace Hardware, Welch & Company Jewelers, Stumble & Monkey Brewing Company, and our title sponsor, Stanley Law Offices. Together, they'll work to get you the maximum award. Log on today to stanleylawoffices.com. That's stanleylawoffices.com. Time to chat some Baseball Hall of Fame uh, news and notes and some other things around the game if we even have baseball in 2022. He is the terrific... Writer for Ball9, you can get him on Twitter at AMBS underscore Kernan, America's most beloved sports writer, 45 years on the job, Ball9.com, covers the game inside and out, Kevin Kernan. KK, welcome back, Happy New Year, thanks for a few, pal. Good to
0: be with you, Michael.
1: All right, you know it, let's get into the Hall of Fame, calling six via the Golden Days and Early Baseball Era committees, Uh, Jim Cott, Tony Oliva... Uh, Gil Hodges, Minnie Minoso, Bud Fowler, and Buck O'Neill. Uh, I know you definitely don't have a problem with Gil Hodges because you've been barking up that tree, and rightly so for Gil to get in. Give me your overall thoughts here on this group, and I'll tell you what. I just had Jim Cotton on my show, as you know, and it just couldn't happen to a nicer guy, Kevin.
0: Yeah, we all love Kitty and um, plus he, you know, you know, some people say he's a compiler, but that's okay. That's right. You compile things in baseball. So I have uh, no issues. Uh, most veteran committees I don't have a problem with. I just don't like it when they're stacked and you get a certain, uh, you know, maybe a certain element of guys from, from a certain team push for a guy. Um, uh, Gil Hodges, as you know, as you said, I've been pushing for him for... I mean, I've been writing columns about Gil Hodges, which should be in the Hall of Fame for 20 years. I remember talking to... Uh, a Marine who was kind of pushing him um, years ago and quoting him. And he, he he really opened up to me about his, his Marine, uh, you know, the things he did in World War II. And that really that really made a difference. And I think with the steroid guys uh, around the corner or lurking or already in the Hall of Fame, depending on, on who, who you're talking about, I really think it's important to have a character guy like, you know, Gil Hodges, and and I think I think it's going to be a fun summer day up there. And and I, I credit the Hall of Fame. They missed out on Dick Allen. He missed by one vote. And I know people go crazy because I've been voting for the Hall of Fame for many years myself. And people go crazy when somebody um, misses out. But when you miss out by one vote, that's just one guy that screwed up. It's not the whole committee. So um, I I strongly believe. Next time around, Dick Allen will get in. And, um, you know, I feel bad sometimes, you know, because guys pass away and, and they're not alive to see it. But um, the legacy lives on. And baseball and the Hall of Fame is all about legacy. So, so uh, you know, there's different areas there with the Hall of Fame, what they have to do to survive. And and I think um, I think with this class, it'll be very interesting. And, and who knows if we'll get anybody in, in the, the regular class. Uh, probably not. But
1: we'll see. Yeah, well, I'm going to get to those guys in a minute, but I wanted to focus in on something you just said. Um, I'm with you on that, Kevin. I wish that these guys could could see themselves go in the Hall of Fame. And at the top of that list, maybe, for me, is Buck O'Neill. I, I just, you know, man, they put together that committee, and, and, and he didn't get in somehow in, what, 06, I think it was. And I I just I didn't understand it then. I don't understand it now. He should have been in a long time ago. Um, what, what kind of conversations do you remember having with Buck O'Neill? Do you think that even though he didn't get in and he was asked to speak at it and he still handled it with class, no surprise, do you think back then that he thought, hey, I, I will eventually get in my, my legacy will be here for a long time. Do you, did you ever get the feeling that he, he knew inside that he would eventually get in, whether he was alive or not?
0: Well, two things on that. I think he felt like he was in a way, in the Hall of Fame, because there's so many people he, you can say helped or whatever, or he was he he was involved with, made the Hall of Fame. Hmm. And, and his speech, you remember, was just uh, oh. delightful, and it showed a kindness uh, that you don't often see. And I think he appreciated. I think he. I could be totally off here, but I I think he appreciated being the Toastmaster in that in that situation. You know, I don't think he's the kind of guy that would go behind closed doors and say, "I can't believe these jerks didn't put me in." I don't think that was him. And um, and you know, he loved every minute of life. And um, um, I know what people say; he should have been in back then. But you know what? You know, it, it's it, it takes a, sometimes it takes a long time. It takes the right circumstances, and in a way. You know this. This highlights his career twice because it was highlighted back then. when He didn't get in. Now it's highlighted again. Yeah. And uh, and as a player, you know he was a good player, but he, you know he did so many other things in baseball. And I think there's a different attitude from 06 to now about those type of players uh, and those type of people. I think I think you're getting more. You know uh, the you know the La Russa type. You know and Joe Torre. Um, you know they, they, those guys. They, it's not just about players; it's about other other aspects of the game. So, I I think what Buck O'Neill did for the game, you know, Ken Burns, you know, Ken Burns owes Buck O'Neill everything because he, you know, he made kind of made that whole series, and uh, and 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 that's uh, that's a great thing. I, I really have no. Maybe I'm I'm cold hearted, but I have, I, I it doesn't bother me at all—not one bit.
1: <laughs> Tony Tony Oliva, how, how do you how do you remember him? Playing, you know, playing the game. I the more people I talk to, the more people say, "Man, this guy was <laughs> this." You want to talk about one of the legit hitters, great hands. I mean, just an all-around ball player across the board. Kk. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I'm old enough to remember all these guys. And Tony Oliva, the best I could say is kind of he 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 was a pre-Tony Gwynn, you know, very similar type hitter. And what he could do in a magic wand. Yeah. And um, I used to love. I used to love going even up until 2019 when I, I, I would often wind up with the Yankees trips to Minneapolis. Uh, you know, I guess the other writers, uh, sometimes didn't want to go and, um, and uh, you know, too cold or whatever, but I would love going to Minneapolis because I would always make sure, you know, three game series or whatever. One of those days I would always make sure I would hang around long enough, uh, you know, doing the Twins BP when that was over, or even doing it and sit along the uh, sit along the dugout and talk hitting with Tony Oliva. And when I would mention Tony Gwynn's name, he would light up because I think he saw Gwynn uh, as an extension of himself. So Tony Oliva, yeah, he was. Uh, and I go all the way back to when he played, man. And and uh, you never like I was a Yankee fan growing up. You never want to see him come up in such situations. And uh, um, good for him. You know, he, he he can he can enjoy this. You know, one name I want to throw out there, I know this is a little, some people think he should, some people think he shouldn't. But I would love to see Louis Tiant uh, remember. And he's a personality that I'd love to see right now get in because I would love to see a speech from a Tian type player. But, you know, it's, it's great to see the Latino players get in. I, I was a huge Clemente fan from way back when. And, um, you know, Tony Oliva, and and what he meant for his twins, certainly deserving. And, and, again, I think I think this Veterans Committee did a pretty good job.
1: Kevin Kernan, our guest on the ML Sports Platter, brought to you by Stanley Law Offices. Go get him uh, on Twitter and, of course, Ball9.com for all of his amazing work. Um, who else gets in? I, I'm on this tracker as we speak, actually. Last updated on uh, – well, today, I guess, it, it in the morning – that they have David Ortiz tracking to get into the Hall of Fame, Bonds tracking to get in, Clemens tracking to get in. Uh, another one has Schilling only getting in. Uh, another one has Schilling and Ortiz getting in. Who 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 else gets in, uh, Kevin? Here I- into the Hall of Fame for this class.
0: Well, nobody could get in. I mean, that's why it's important for the Veterans Committee to have these guys in. Um, and you got to remember about that tracker. Somebody, uh, some of the guys that don't want their ballot or at least announced by the tracker they don't mind it announced later on but they, they they keep it quiet and what i've seen through the past those quiet ballots at the end are the ballots that don't vote for bonds don't vote for clements you know don't vote and may not vote for shilling i i think i vote for shilling every year i think shilling um i think shilling should be in there's no question uh this was such a strange year with voting that i've kind of I kind of, um, you know, to me, Schilling was a natural because uh, of the big game stuff. He was like a Jack Morris to me, you know, yeah. and and and, and <laughs> going all the way back, you know. Don't forget two thousand one too, two thousand one, two thousand four. I mean, Schilling basically stopped the Yankees from getting two extra World Series, you know, and um, um, uh, so you, you you can't underestimate that. The other guys, you know, two things. The other guys, all all the steroid guys. I never. Maybe one year I gave in and voted for the Stever guys simply because it was the year I think Bud got in. And I have nothing against Bud, but if you're going to get Bud in, well, he was in charge of everything. Then if you can get LaVousa and and Tory, you know, they're, they're managing Stever guys. So, you know, I think one year, it's a funny story. One year I, I did vote for Bonds and Clemens, and as soon as I got into the Yankees clubhouse that's been training, I, you know, somebody I respect deeply got in my face and said, how could you vote for those two guys? And uh, so that gives you a little indication of what some of the uh, baseball itself feels about those guys. But this year, uh, and this is a long answer, but it has to be said, it's, it's got to be explained long. I go all the way back, I think it was 2006, 2007, the um, the, um, the All-Star game in San Francisco. And you know, I covered all the All-Star games back then. And um, in, the, in the ballroom, and this is very important, in the ballroom, the American League team would come in, everybody gets a podium, everybody's got a spot, National League team would come in. I forget who was, was first, but in the transition, I, I was by Bonds much of that podium, by his podium that day. And I'm telling you, like every, every single player that I saw in that, in that room, American and nationally, made a trip to Bonds' table, his podium, to kind of kiss the ring. And, and I'm thinking to myself right then and there, well, if they don't care about the steroids, why should I? You know, and I and I, I kept that in the back of my mind. So this year, I kind of voted, I voted, I voted for the, um, you know, I, I, I bit the bullet and I I, I got a rogue's gallery this year of uh, and the funny thing is I voted for ten guys and I included Bonds, Clemens, and I'm not gonna who who am I to be the steroid separator? Like, well, you know, this guy was suspended, so he's he's out. Well, maybe the other guy just was a better cheater. So so how, how can you divide it up? And so that A-Rod, with his number of home runs and the things he's done, Manny, even Sosa, you know. Uh, so I voted for Rhodes Gallery this year. Uh, and then I also included other guys, you know, like I said, Schilling. I included Billy Wagner, uh, Jeff Kett. That always rubs people the wrong way. But too bad he owns the most home runs for a second baseman. That should count for something. Uh, Scott Rowland, I think more third baseman should be in um so so that basically that was my ballot and and i was praised this year by the general public more than ever for what a great ballot this year (laughs) (laughs) i I usually you wake up the next day and i I usually do it always on christmas as a joke i'll say well here's my christmas gift to you and i put my ballot out there and you get you know you get the dope saying stuff and uh very critical uh but this year it was pretty funny i was I was almost revered as, uh, wow, what a great ballot. So it's pretty funny. But you know what? I know where those people are coming from, too, because I basically just said, you know what? It's about numbers this year. Because all the other stuff is to the side. We already know there's There are guys in the Hall of Fame. And I got off the wall. A few good men. I used the line from a few good men. You know, you need me on that wall. But I'm off the wall now. Let's let other people worry about it. This is what they want. And if they don't get in... Then it becomes a problem with the Veterans Committee down the road. And just from my reaction to what I saw that day uh, at the All-Star game, uh, you know, I think a lot of guys who, uh, you know, they will push Clemens and Bombs right in as soon as they can.
1: Yeah, I, I just, I mean, the, the sport turned away. They needed to get people back in the seats. The money started coming in, and chicks were digging the long ball, and owners yep. were making money off the long ball. And you know what? Roids came into the game across the board. You, me, everybody knows it. Nobody in their right mind can guess when anybody started and ended, who they played against, who they were using, how long were they using. We we can guess about guys in the Hall of Fame. There are guys in the Hall of Fame, I believe, use steroids. I'm I'm guessing, but you have to have some kind of an inkling that some of these guys like Pudge Rodriguez, for example, or some of these other players have used it, but they're in. Here's how I look at it. Baseball, again, has dropped the ball in taking responsibility for something. Take responsibility for the era. It happened. Tell people why it happened. Create the wing in the Hall of Fame and put all these guys in and on the plaque or put them in their own wing. But at the bottom of the plaque, explain to people what happened and why it happened and take responsibility for it as a sport for generations to come. You know, all
0: you got to do is add a line like uh so-and-so was a central figure in the uh, steroid. Exactly. PEDs. And, or uh, led
1: the Belco horrible, ring, or, or A-Rod got I mean, caught this that. way, you know, anything.
0: Yeah, you can't tell the, Bob, uh,
1: the Barry Bond story
0: and the uh, you know the, the Manny Ramirez story and the A-Rod
1: story without mentioning PD. It'd be crazy. right? You know, gotta say it on the plaque. And the other
0: thing, I want to make this very clear so people understand, because this is why I was against the steroids. So I saw that different levels, high school, college, professional. The people take steroids and the PEDs because it works. Sure. I mean some unbelievable. It, 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 it your fast twitch muscles improve, your your eyesight improves, your ability to bounce back improves, your strength improves. Um, you know, Bonds was and I was don't forget I was there in ninety eight. I did the whole home run home run chase with Sosa uh you know, and McGuire. So I saw it every day and um and, and how crazy it was and, and, and all this stuff. So it works. So this, but at the same time, I say that we also know that Bonds was hitting some of these home runs off steroid user pitchers. Mm-hmm. You know, so right. and, and because baseball didn't <clears throat> corral the problem, uh, we have to live with to this degree. I mean, if they had come out with strong testing, and I blame the players for this as much as uh, the commissioner and, and stuff, because the players had, the, you know, they had the power, um, and they did not want to get tested to 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 a great extent to that extent. And, um, and again with Ortiz, what do you say about him? You know? Um, but again, I look back at Ortiz and I remember 2004 with the Yankees being down 0-3 and him putting that team on his shoulders. And, um, and it's just, you know, people say he's a nice guy, so they vote for him. I think it's also, uh, the writers, the the writers recognize how great he was during his era when, and who knows how he got there? Because we all know the story from the twins, the, the superstardom with the Red Sox. But, uh, but he was there, and uh, and you can't, like you said, you have. To, I would almost embrace the era, much like when nineteen uh, nineteen when they went from the dead ball era because of uh, the Black Sox scandal mm-hmm. to the live ball era, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden those guys started hitting home runs. It's part of the history of the game. The Hall of Fame is about is a history museum as well. So here here we are. Uh, and you know what? The Giants fans, all the Giants fans, would show up for Bonds. They would love it. And same thing with Clemens. quite a few Clemens fans, so they would love it. And uh, and and, I, and that's the bottom line. I think the Hall of Fame is about going to the Hall of Fame. You know, uh, really loving the moment with your favorite player or whatever, and uh, and, and, and moving on. It's 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 like I always said. It, it, it's not real life. It's baseball. It's not the end of the world. Enjoy the moment.
1: I think Ortiz and Schilling are going to get in. I really do. And guess what? That means a lot of Yankee fans will be staying away from Cooperstown in 2022. Oh, yeah. because, I, I agree. I, see, <clears throat> man. I almost see no way
0: that Ortiz does not get in. Oh, he'll, he's going to get in for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, because I just think there's so many, especially the new generation writers they are very, uh, you know, this this doesn't really bother them. No, anywhere. I know. And yeah. um, um, so I think Ortiz and, you know that'll be a, it'll be a goal mine this summer for uh, you know if if Schilling gets in and I'm I'll be curious to hear Schilling's speech and um, uh, and I, it'll be fun to, and like you said the Yankee fans won't want any part of it but uh, you know uh, every team uh, gets its day sooner or later so so good for uh, good for Tees and good for Schilling
1: before I get to. Just two uh, quick topics to hit on. I-, I wanted to focus in on on one question on Ortiz actually, because I've wrestled with this for a long time. I'm a big. I know some people think it, it gets old and it's oh, stop stop bringing it up oh, the Mount Rushmore of the of a sports city and all that. But I love that stuff because you talk about generations and you know you compare players and it's great water cooler talk. I, I really love it. Boston is really hard for me because. You know, I think Brady is a guarantee. Bobby Orr is a guarantee. Bill Russell's got to be a guarantee. And I wrestled for a while and said, "Well, Ortiz is on there because of the rings and and the beloved nature." And I mean, you know, he, he put the city on his back and multiple times and the team on his back. But how do you how do you say that Ortiz is a better player than Ted Williams? I mean, so Ted Williams maybe should be on there. But when you do that, you leave off Ortiz. You leave off Larry Bird. You know, you leave off so many guys. Where does Ortiz rank for you, you know, in that Boston sports pantheon?
0: Well, yeah, he's, he's up there, but he's not up there on, on, on Mount Rushmore. Okay. You know, unless you make it a very big Mount Rushmore. Uh,
1: is that gotta, the four, though, do you think? I mean, is it is it Orr, Brady, Russell, and Williams? Yeah, I okay. would say that's the four. Yeah.
0: And, um, um, you know, because cause Russell takes care of the basketball. Yep. Brady's a no-brainer. I mean, this guy's, you know, he's hes um, hes probably the most amazing athlete. And I'm going to say this in a competitive way. You watch him play. He's so damn competitive, and I love that because we're getting a generation of athletes who aren't that competitive about winning anymore. They're, they're, it's the selfie generations. It's the um, everybody gets a cupcake on their birthday generation. <laughs> um, whereas Brady is about, I want to win this game, and... You can hate me. I mean, even the fact—I I don't know if you saw what he said about—you know—he signed the interception ball for the Jet guy the other day. So I noticed that at the end of the game, I told my watching the game, I said, "Look at that! He's signing the, the football it was intercepted by that guy." And uh, but that, and then he came, he had time to think about it. He said, "You know, I'm not doing that again." <laughs>
1: so, so, so yeah, it's
0: all about competition
1: for yeah. him. Yeah.
0: And and in some ways, Ortiz was that competitive too. And um, you know that that was the difference. Don't forget when he. In in that year, uh, and again, I was at that series. You know, I was writing all this stuff. Yankees had 3-0. but Ortiz, I I, I early on, it might have been even that first game that the Red Sox won. I I knew and I wrote I, that the Yankees would be in trouble. I, I sensed it because Ortiz was very. He was he was struck by seeing Red Sox fans crying in the street. You know, after that game, so to speak, after that losing, uh, going down zero three. So I knew they were in trouble there. Um, pitching was a little shaky, and, um, and and then plus there were little things going on. I forget the exact game, but Tony Clark's double, ground rule double. Uh, if that had stayed in the ballpark in right field, the Yankees win that game. So so like the baseball guys were starting to turn. So and when you change the whole, this is why I think people will argue. Some people argue that he should be on that. When you change a whole baseball culture since 1918, that's that's pretty impressive too, you know. So, yeah. but I think in those, when you look at those um, those monuments, so to speak, or things, you, you're looking at individual achievements, and that's why you got to have Williams up there. I mean, he was, you know, was probably the greatest oh. center of time, you know. So, so uh, and all the other guys, it kills me not that because I covered Bird for many years too, and Bird, Bird is a little bit, Bird was Tom Brady before there was Tom Brady. Yeah. Uh, he had the same winning attitude, you know, and if he was playing a, a free throw shooting contest with you, you know, uh, you know, he would, he, 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 that would count as much as the NBA finals. And I remember him beating my friend, Dan Sean. I just he, had Dan
1: and, on. Yeah. Yep.
0: So, so in and, and when his <laughs> hand was hurt or his wrist was hurt. So, oh. you know, the good thing is you have those guys to talk about and you have uh, you have some, some stars and it's always a fun discussion.
1: It, 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 that is a hilarious story when Dan talked about that uh, on my show. And that book that he just, uh, man, that he just wrote, Wish It Lasted Forever on those 80s Celtics, is is spectacular. Um, Buck Showalter, New York Mets manager, why is it such a good fit?
0: Well, it's a good fit because he's not a nerd. He's the baseball nerd, which is totally different. I have two classifications of nerds. I have nerds, and then I have baseball nerds. Nothing wrong with being a baseball nerd. Jack McKeon was a baseball nerd. Uh, most of these managers uh, are baseball nerds, and by that I mean they they take all these numbers into account, but they don't they don't rule the day. It's uh, um, the pitching coach in Arizona, I think I can't think of his name right now. Low, I believe his name is. and um but he said, you know, uh, you know you basically about numbers, don't be a slave to numbers, you know. And that's what's happened in baseball. They're a slave to numbers. You use the numbers, but don't be a slave. so Buck will take all the numbers. He'll take all the information. I thought it was interesting that uh, they they pushed up uh, one of the nerds who was assistant GM right away. That tells me that Buck liked that guy and in the negotiations, probably sat down with that guy. Buck always wants to have his guy. So now he's got a guy that's an assistant GM because the previous the the other two assistant GMs, Ian Levin and um Sandy's kid uh, Sandy Olson's kid they weren't Buck guys so now Buck's got his guy in the front office that's what he'll rely on he'll use the uh, he'll use the information but like he said that day um, you know uh, you got five seconds to make a decision so you got to take it all into account and the other thing is I asked Buck that day I asked him when, he, when they had the press conference I said Buck um is there a leadership gap in baseball, and these these uh, you getting hired does it change that a little bit, like some of the other guys? And and he gave me a really interesting answer. He basically uh, he basically he he, he admitted there was. And he said one of the things that concerns him, and it's been for years, is young managers in the minor leagues and also young managers in the major leagues not being able to manage. They're being told to manage. The decisions are made at five o'clock, two o'clock. They're not made at uh, nine thirty, you know. And um, and so. How are these guys going to learn to manage if they're never never managing? It's like Jim Cott. We, we started with Jim Cott. Jim Cott was a pitcher with uh, Jack McKean, 1957, I believe, in Missoula, Montana. And he um, and I talked to both Jack and Jim about this. He was a young pitcher, didn't know what he was doing. Bases loaded, sixth inning. Uh, Jack comes out and says to him, no outs. He says, hey, hey, you got yourself into this mess? Figure out how to get out of it. And, uh, you know what, uh, 25 years in the majors and everything else, he figured it out. So, so baseball is run too much by nerds who think they, they think they're smarter. They may be smarter than me, but they think they're smarter than everybody. And that's the problem. And I think you see some of the same issues, uh, in the country sometimes, you know, we've forgotten about the general public yeah. the citizen and, um, and, uh, and, it's really, uh, to me, it's disturbing. And I think you see all the same things happening to the nerd teams. I said years ago, Mike, that how in the world are these pitchers going to learn to pitch if they're holding to, to pitch counts, ridiculous pitch counts in the minor leagues? Right. Every game is not the same. Every pitch count is not the same. How are they going to learn to get out of jams? How are they going to uh, learn to uh, pace themselves? And what did they do? They, they created, the nerds created the problem. Of no starting pitching, and now they're overpaying for starting pitching. It's 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 ludicrous, you know. And and uh, well, you know, there's no starting pitching that can do the job because you guys created this problem. One of the owners going to wake up. One last point on Buck. The um he uh, the other thing that's important about Buck, like you asked, is that he will have a direct line to Cohen. You already seen it? The way he's talking with Steve and Steve's wife, and uh, you know. So Buck can, uh, Buck can uh, really, uh, you know, he, he can smooth, baby. He can smooth talk. And he'll, he'll, he'll be one of the few managers, because think about the whole major leagues right now. He'll be one of the few managers who has a direct line to ownership. So there'll be no GM getting in the way or no nerd getting in the way of what he really thinks. And that's vitally important. And that's, that's, that's probably the most important thing when you look at the big picture thing in baseball, more owners
1: talk directly to their managers to find out what's really going on and not talk to the nerds. In the last two or three minutes I have, I, I kind of want to loop these things together. I mean, come on, MLB Network removes Ken Rosenthal? I mean, really? And then, you know, will we even have baseball in 2022? I mean, I feel like this sport, I mean, we, we talked about it last time. They're at rock bottom, right? How, how much lower can you go? Now we're into January and it looks even bleaker to have baseball and they're getting rid of insiders on their own network. I mean, Kevin, this sport is so broken. It's unbelievable. So two-parter a Rosenthal. Do you think it was irresponsible as I do? And also, are we even going to have baseball?
0: I'm good friends with Kenny and I've been, you know, we communicate all the time, you know, most of it's off the record and stuff like that. You know, he wasn't shocked by this. And, um, um, it's bad for baseball. It's uh, it's another example of Manfred uh, being so thin skinned and ruining the game. I mean, uh, I'm writing about it tomorrow for Ball Nine, so you can find this on ball9.com. Um, uh, uh, and, and, you know, this guy's basically, you know, this guy's the triple crown of ineptitude, uh, Manfred. I mean, just, 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 and I'll just throw three at you right now. You know, credibility of his network shot, shot down. Um, the World Series trophy a piece of metal, you know, and what he did to the minor league, so many minor league cities. Can you get worse than those three right there? I mean, come on.
1: Yeah, and
0: uh, But he, every day he does it, and every day he has sycophants around him, who just like anything he says. And, um, you know, Kenny's going to be fine. He's got the athletic, he's got Fox. I don't know if you knew this, Mike, but Kenny and I both I joke in the column that I, I, I started his career, because we were we were on together in the days of uh espn's original cold pizza you know we'd be sitting right next to each other talking talking baseball truth uh on the air every morning and um you know and and kenny uh, you know the guy who hired us was barry stanton and and like he said he he loved kenny because of his uh, knowledge and also he had a good way of delivering it and look what's happened so when you start getting rid of people who... And I don't agree with everything Kenny writes. Well, I'm going to make that clear right now. We've had all our arguments, too. But, but um, you know, when you start getting rid of people who give you credibility... And, and MLB Network now, I mean, you turn it on now. You, you know what you're going to see, Mike. Right? You're going to see... You're gonna see, uh, you're gonna see, uh, for the three thousand time, you're gonna see uh, Mr. Three Thousand, whatever that name of that movie is, you know. Uh, so, so they keep running the same movies. They have uh, MLB. dot has a blackout basically on on today's players. Uh, is this the way you want to run of an organization? Is this the way you want to run baseball? Now we know why Jerry Reinsdorf was so
1: adamant about not letting this guy become commissioner. That's all I got to say about that. Absolutely well said. Kevin Kernan at AMBS underscore Kernan, lead writer for Ball9.com, a New York State Baseball Hall of Famer as well. KK, thank you so much, my man. We'll do it again soon, and I really do wish you and yours uh, all the best this year, man.
0: Yeah, happy new year, Mike, and uh, always a pleasure. Great talking baseball with you.
1: The ML Sports Platter is brought to you by our great friends at Chick-fil-A of Cicero and Clay. They've got a delicious breakfast uh, menu Plus the lunch with the chicken tenders, nuggets, fries, mac and cheese, delicious fresh salads as well. And make sure to keep in mind, you can get your business lunch or your occasion catered by Chick-fil-A. I mean, what a great catering choice to pick Chick-fil-A of Cicero and Clay. So make sure you go check them out on Instagram, on Facebook. Check out all of their employee stories as well, Chick-fil-A of Cicero and Clay a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. A nice uh, tip of the cap thank you to the Swan and Whitaker families for their support, as well as Ken's Auto Detailing, the Vince Aguera Consulting Group, and our great friends at Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare. My dog is there playing right now, Cooper. He loves it. He makes friends at Barks and Rec. Route 11 in Cicero, they do the, the doggy daycare. Uh, they'll, they'll host your dog for a couple of days if you're on a short vacation. Uh, you can get your dog groomed and washed, the whole thing. They've got a huge playground in the back barks and wreck doggy daycare the official doggy daycare of the ml sports platter i'm mike Lindsley. hit me on twitter at mike l sports thanks again to kevin kernan and as i always tell you enjoy the games <laughs>